Amen. Thank you, Tim. I'd love you to get out your Bibles, and then um, we've got some we've got some actual hard paper copies if you'd like to use one. Uh, we're going to be reading from Luke 15 verses 25 through to the end of uh, chapter 15. And um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been, as uh, Tim mentioned, in the pa- parable of what is usually called the prodigal son, but can also be called the parable of the running father. And we're going to be looking at the second, uh, second part of the parable from verses 25 on. So I'm going to read now. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has... He has him back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So as um, Tim and Will have been emphasizing over the past few weeks, this parable is not just a parable about a rebellious uh, son who returns, but this is also a real opportunity for us to dig deep um, into the question of what obstacles are blocking us from the embrace that God has for each one of us. What's stopping us from receiving the embrace of the loving Father? And um, I'm going to ask my beautiful assistant, Will, to come give me a little hand. Um, I borrowed from a friend of mine in the building trade a nice big um, spirit level. Um, Not something that I have at home all the time myself, but it could be useful. Um, Maybe for when Will's hanging pictures for me. So (laughs) I'm going to just use this as a bit of a visual with the story that we've looked at so far and in terms of where I want to go with this tonight. So if you just imagine the center of the spirit level here is the house and you've got the father in the house. This is the the seat of the father's love at the very center of Jesus's story. And then you've got this younger brother. And so far in our series, we've kind of been like in this first half of the parable over here. And you've got this younger brother who runs away from the father. And I'm going to get Will to tip this down. So he's going away from the house, away from the father's heart. And then we've seen, haven't we, how he turned around. He returned, came back and comes back into the house. And then what we're going to be doing tonight is talking a little bit more about the second half of the story. And I think commonly as um, churches and Christians, what we've done with this parable is we've just stayed in the first half. We've been a little bit like, okay, there's this really kind of other bit about this older brother, but let's just not really think about him. Let's focus on this bit. Um, But I want us to really dig deep into the second half, and that's going to happen a bit more in the next uh, few weeks as well. And what happens we see here is this older brother also is walking away, but we don't actually know uh, whether he comes back into the center, whether he chooses to come back into his father's love. We don't hear the end of the story. And I tried to do this this morning. I don't know if it's going to work now, but yeah, I just tried to like 
No, it still doesn't work. I wanted my, my pen to just slide off the end. Um, but no, just, uh, that, that part of the illustration just bombs. Thank you, Will. Um, but it's chastening, isn't it? Because we don't actually, Jesus, Jesus doesn't give us like a neat and tidy ending to what this older son decides to do. And in the same way, we all have a choice, however long we've been in relationship with Jesus, whether we're, we're new to faith, we're exploring whether we've been um, in relationship with him for longer. There's not a conclusive end of our story. We have the power to decide whether we're going to remain in relationship with our Father, whether that's going to be the center of our narrative, whether that's where God is going to be. Will and I, uh, we recently went to um, the cinema together, and we got to the end of the film, and it was one of those movies where you get to the end and you just feel so emotionally blasted that all you can do is just kind of sit there like this through the whole, I think for the whole two and a half minutes of credits, I just didn't move. And in fact, the whole cinema was just silent. We just all sat there and I had to kind of piece myself back together before I could even just stand up and, and walk out of the room. And um, the film was West Side Story. It was like this emotional roller coaster. I loved it because I was like on the roller coaster. I just, you know, the whole gamut of sadness, happiness, joy, you know, all of it was packed in, um, expressed through this incredible visceral dance. As you, as you know, if you were here at Christmas, I love a musical, so I was just in there 100%. Um, Sky went to the cinema recently with my, with my parents and um, she, she came back. She went, Mum, I went to the cinema with Granny and Grandpa, but we saw the most rubbish film. It had a really bad ending. Of course, it was also West Side Story. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it, may not, it may not be for you. But what that, that film remind me, reminded me of is the power of emotion. Emotion has the power to drive us to shape our thinking, to shape our perspective on the world. And as part of uh, my preparation for this sermon, I was looking at a book by um, a historian called Richard Firth Godby here. I mean, what a great name. God must be on his case with a name like Godby here. Um, and his, his book is called A Human History of Emotion, How the Way We Feel Built the World We Know. And he's looking at history through this alternative lens, not the lens of intellectualism, not the lens of science, which is how we usually um, have approached and do approach history. But instead, he's saying, actually, what would happen if we look at it through the lens of emotion and through how every um, big decision that's been made politically and globally has been affected by feeling? It is a huge driver in the development of the world as we know it today, but perhaps we don't always acknowledge its power. Today I want to focus uh, on the older son, as I said, and in particular on verse 28. And I'm going to read that verse to you again. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. The older son's uh, struggle, his emotional struggle, is with anger. And um, for this older brother, it's like this red mist of anger has come down. He's outside the house, and he is clouded by this emotion. And so because of it, his whole vision, his judgment is entirely overwhelmed. And he completely misses the point of what is going on, of what God is doing right under his nose in his home. 
It's just a devastating reality. He's missed grace. He's missed this incredible welcome back uh, that his father is running to his brother to give, the brother that he might never have seen again, that he might have fully lost, that he might have lost all relationship with, has been welcomed home in this extravagant act of love. But he cannot see any of it. And I want to dig a little bit more into anger, and some of you here may be psychologists, so you'll probably be much better versed at understanding this emotion and how we handle it more so than me. Uh, Something that's helped me again is another movie called Inside Out. Some of you may have watched it. If you haven't, I highly recommend Inside Out if you need a bit of a a basic understanding of anger. Um, And it it has these little characters in the film. It's a children's film, but it's actually immensely powerful at explaining the basic building blocks of emotion. And you've got six basic emotions, joy, surprise, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. And anger is this like little red guy, as you can imagine. But anger is really very simply a perceived response in us to a perceived threat uh, or an injustice. And so it's a very natural uh, human response. But it isn't necessarily an easy emotion to understand from a biblical perspective. So I'm going to do a speedy canter around anger in the Bible. Obviously, you're not going to cover everything on it in there, but a little bit of a look at it. So Psalm 103 says that God... Is, is slow to become angry, and he's rich in love. And then James echoes that exact verse when he teaches us, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So that shows us we should be cautious in the way that we become angry in the times that we become angry and how we deal with it. But it's not that we should avoid anger or that we can avoid anger at all costs. Jesus himself was, as we know, fully God, fully divine, fully human, completely without sin, and yet he got angry. He felt the full force of human emotion that we too feel. And you will probably know the story where he goes into the temple, and the temple has been turned into this den of robbers. There are people exchanging money there, and he becomes very angry about it. But where we often trip up, I think, is the way that we handle our anger. And the question is, how can we respond to our anger well? So then, what should that older brother have done in response to the anger that we read in verse 28 that he has? Imagine for a moment that you are driving, you're on the motorway, you're going at full pelt, (laughs) sparks are flying, the, the windows, you know, everything is just speeding past. Your foot's on the gas. You're heading, charging forward, but what happens if you stop to think, how did I get here? What's the slip road that got me onto this motorway? I feel like that when I'm in an angry place, I'm charging, and I know there is a need for me to, to, to slow down and stop and say, hold on a minute, what was the slip road? How did I get here? And of course, this talk has, has got me thinking about, okay, when did I last become angry? How am I processing that? How am I doing that? Um, we went on holiday a couple of weeks ago and um, we decided that we were going to put our children in, in a children's group in the morning uh, for a couple of hours so that Will and I could have some time together in the morning whilst we were away. And um, we, we got to the first morning and Judah, our youngest, we've got three children, our youngest child is five. And then um, before we dropped him off, he sort of started saying, oh, you've got a bit of an itchy foot and 
I need a biscuit, I need another biscuit, and you know, things were getting a bit unsettled. I thought, this is not going to go well. <laughs> this is going to be tricky. Anyway, we got there, there was like a full-scale meltdown. I nearly went into a full-scale meltdown. Um, I, you know, I could feel anger rising, just anger and frustration. And Will and I have got this kind of unspoken thing in our, in our parenting where if one of us is, is really starting to feel angry, and I, I knew I, I might well have said something I was going to regret, so I'm like, Will, like, swap over time, <laughs> you're on, I'm off. Um, and so we swapped over, which was good. But I, I needed to get off the anger highway and say, okay, why do I feel so strongly about my child not wanting to go into a children's group? And spend a bit of time processing that and praying into that and realizing that actually I was so tired, completely done in, as, as many of you will be when you go um, and, and take holiday. And I really needed some time without my child, as much as I love them, uh, to be an adult, to be with Will, um, to have some introvert time, and, and to be with God, and, and just to rest. Needless to say, he wasn't in children's group very much that week, but it, what, what did help me <laughs> was that he had to go back the next few mornings. So the next morning before that happened, I was able to say to God, okay, God, this did not go well yesterday. I really need you to resource me now. I really need you to help me if I start to feel uh, the same... I'm getting on the motorway thing again. For, this, for the older brother in our story, the slip road to his anger is jealousy. Let's just read um, verses 29 to 30 again. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. He hasn't even been given a goat to barbecue with his mates, but his brother has had this enormous party and this feast and the fattened calf killed for him in celebration. And that is really eating him up. That lavish display of love to him feels so unfair. He is deeply jealous, and he needs to deal with that jealousy with the Lord. I wonder for you if you're on that anger highway right now. I wonder if you are in danger of missing something that God is doing right under your nose at the moment, maybe in your, in your home, maybe in your family. Maybe there's an act of grace going on and you haven't seen it because emotion is clouding your judgment. And I want to talk a little bit about how we could respond to our anger. Three things quickly that we can do when we are getting on that anger highway and the red mist is coming down. Firstly, we need to acknowledge that we're there and we need to own the anger. And for some of us, if you've um, grown up in a home where anger was quite suppressed, you may have just picked up that actually all anger should just be pressed down here and kept away. And so even acknowledging that you feel angry may be really hard. I know that I've been there in my home. We didn't, growing up, we didn't always um, really talk about our feelings. And anger was like something that suddenly splurged out of somebody in a very, very aggressive way, suddenly. Um, so I didn't know how to, I didn't learn any, any language growing up for how to manage an emotion like anger. And when I was, um, before, I, before I trained as a priest, I worked as a journalist for a number of years. And I have very clear memories of sort of coming out of my office at lunchtime, going to get a sandwich and just feeling so cross. It's feeling like rage in my body. 
but I couldn't tell you why. I've got absolutely no idea. And, and because I think I just had learned, like, whatever feelings are kind of coming up, just like shove them down here, process them another time. You're too busy, you've got too many deadlines. And I was really bad at understanding how to like, address, process, deal with my emotion, particularly anger. I've had to do some work on that. So we need to acknowledge the anger, recognize we're on the highway. And then we might well need to say to the Lord, give me revelation. What is the slip road? How did I get here? Maybe you just cannot see it for yourself. And I believe God's going to give some of us here revelation for what is going on, why we might be in a place with emotion taking over in some area of our lives, that he can show us exactly what that is and how to respond to that. So we may well need to then deal with that slip road with Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Maybe in response to your anger, you've uh, spoken out in aggression. Maybe you've unleashed emotion on someone who was totally undeserving. It's time to ask for forgiveness and come back into the arms of the Father who is running towards you, longing to embrace you and welcome you home. And some of us will have some deeper work to do to, to start figuring out how do we, maybe we know what the slip road is, but how do we not keep getting on it? How do we, if jealousy is something that's coming up for us, like this older brother, how do we not keep on going back there? I want to, um, I, I'm not going to talk loads into jealousy tonight, but just to say brief, briefly, I think the antithesis to jealousy is gratitude and developing a daily habit of um, thanking God, even for the smallest things in your day is, is a way to absolutely um, kind of address jealousy with power. Some of us um, will feel anger because of unjust treatment. And if unjust treatment um, has triggered your anger, let's remember the anger of God because it's, because it's God's place to punish, not ours. And I'm going to just flip over um, briefly into Romans uh, chapter 12. And in verse 18 uh, to 19, it says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. When we forgive, we place somebody into the justice of God. We say, I no longer, I'm going to let go of my urge to punish you and to avenge you for what you've done to me. I give you over to Jesus. And I say, God, it's your place to do that, not mine. It is the greatest release. And we can trust that God knows the way um, to deal with someone who's wronged us. Our call is to respond to our anger and grace. And then we need to ask God to to renew our mind and to renew our thinking. And in Romans, I want to read to you again from Romans um, 12 at the beginning of um, Romans, Paul writes, writes this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If we've got into a habitual way of responding to an emotion like anger by lashing out, God can renew our minds. He can transform it. And if 
Uh, our desire is that we would be um, living with our bodies as living sacrifices for Jesus. He can renew our habits, can totally change the way that we habitually respond to our emotion. And maybe we just need to ask him to help us begin on that journey of habit change. Let's return to um, verse 28, the, the main verse that I've really been pressing into tonight. I'm going to read it to you again. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. And this is the other part of the action, the emotion in, uh, in that verse is that God, the father, pleads with him in this place of anger. He doesn't just leave him simmering there, boiling away. He's pleading with him to come back into relationship. He's desperate to be reconciled to the older brother, just as he was desperate to be reconciled to the younger brother. And it's good news because many of us will relate much more to this older brother who's been around. Maybe we've been a Christian for some time. Maybe we've known grace for a long time. We may well feel that the, the younger brother's story, that might have been your story a long time ago. You might feel much more connected to this older brother. But there is a desperation in God to be in relationship with you and to embrace you just as much as he longs to embrace that younger son. There's this incredible mirroring that's going on in that story, and I was trying to allude to that with my, um, with my, my use of the spirit level, but you've got this younger son blocked from grace by like, his running after the external world. He's running after these material things and spending all this money and prostitution, and he's, he's chasing that, and it blocks him from the grace and the embrace of Jesus. And then you've got the older son, but in an opposing way, he's blocked by his internal world. That's what stops him, is what's going on within him. But there is freedom, and there is a graceful embrace for both of them. Jesus is desperate to be in relationship with you. And he goes out even to the one who's wronged him to bring them back. Speaking a few weeks on ago on the younger son, Will said this, God is running after you with a passion, with a love, with a hunger. And when he finds you, there will be a great celebration. Today's message that there is as much grace and as much of an embrace from the running father for you as for that rebellious younger son. Will you stand uh, with me as we respond to this? I invite the band to come in a minute and um, Play, play quietly, just as we, let's just take some time to let this um, sink in. And Holy Spirit, would you come now? We invite your presence. Thank you that you're already here, but we want to see you come in more power now, Lord, in greater measure in this place, in greater measure in our hearts. Thank you for the work that you are doing in and among us now. And I believe that um, God may have brought to mind for some of us um, either a, a, a cyclical behavior around anger that you want to let go of and move on from. 
maybe there's a particular incident that he's brought to mind for you um, today that you would love to just say sorry to him for and allow him to wash away and leave behind for you. And um, I brought up my bin, my tub of transformation tonight. Um, on your chair, there's a bit of paper and a pen. And I just invite you, um, as a way of responding to this, that if there's something that you know specifically in terms of, um, in terms of anger, to write that down now. And, and to come and just scrunch it up when you've written it down and put it in the bin as a sign that you're saying to the Lord, Let's, I want to put this behind and I, w- I want to know your grace. Forgive me. And, um, and, and as, you, as you do that, I'm going to ask if some of the um, life group leaders, some of the leaders here would just, just stay by the piano. And, and if that's you and you know that God is speaking to you tonight and you really want him to enable you to change, to form a new habit around this, a new habit around emotion, just ask for prayer from one of the leaders over by the piano. The Lord come, speak to us now. Show us your truth, Lord. And then as you, as you let go of something and ask the Lord to forgive you, I want to pray that God would pour in his Holy Spirit where you have released something to him tonight. And it might be that it's not anger for you, that it's, I've talked a bit about jealousy. It might be that, that jealousy is thing for you, or it might be that there's another emotion that um, has a power in your life that you would love God to take control of, to be the authority of and over and that you would love him to transform. And maybe you need revelation from him. So Holy Spirit, would you come, would you fill us, fill those parts of us, Lord, where we've let go of things that are not of you. We thank you for your healing and your cleansing, Lord. And for those of us um, tonight that need revelation, around emotion, would you bring that to us, Lord? Would you open our eyes? The other thing I felt with this is that um, 
Jesus teaches us to be kind to our enemies, to love our enemies. And if you like to take the um, emotion that is generated in, in anger um, and to turn it into, into, use it in loving someone who's frustrated us. And it might be that some of us um, here just want prayer for grace to be able to do that, to have the grace to be able to bless a family member or a colleague who you know you've had to forgive and who you would really rather not pour out um, love and blessing on, but you, you believe that God is prompting you to do that. And if that's you, if you know that God wants you to do that, but you just haven't got it in you, please, please go and ask someone to pray. Because God can equip us for even the most seemingly human, impossible things. That grace that he's shown as the, as the loving father, he can enable us to show that to someone else. And it is a miracle sometimes. So, so come and ask if that's what you would like prayer for.